so being a carrier of his glory, part two. We end it with this concept of being to exist, the nature or essence of a person. And when we talked about being, we looked at the three manifestations of being a carrier of his glory, to be light, be life, and to be love. Being is not always easy in light of the daily obstacles we face. If truth be told, it is really just the entrance level in beginning our journey as a carrier of his glory. So tonight, our foundational scripture is Isaiah 60, 1 through 3, NIV version. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. One of the commentaries recommends or suggests that this text is Israel's playing the role of a woman who is throwing herself on the earth as a mourning mother, a shackled captive. Sometimes we are put in situations of playing the role in order to get by, in order to fit in, or because we are paralyzed by a particular situation. There is a spirit of lethargy and discouragement that has plagued the body of Christ, a once alert mind now inactive. Apathy sets in and we too no longer are excited about life and the things of God. So I want to speak to those who are listening and those even on the airways that if you have a spirit of discouragement, I want to tell you that don't remain there because there is a part B to Israel playing the role as a mourning mother, a shackled captive. Israel is commanded to, to awake, to rise up, to shake herself from the ashes of life and to loose the bonds of her neck. Isaiah 5, 13 and 14 NIV says, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. That is why it is said, wake up sleeper, Rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. So I want you to turn to your neighbor tonight and say, rise and shine, sleepyhead. Turn to your neighbor again and say, rise and shine, sleepyhead. Rise and shine is a familiar term that was used in the military. It meant to rise, it meant to get up out of bed, it, mean, it meant to prepare for work. Wake up and start your day. This is the day that the Lord has made and we shall rejoice and be exceedingly glad in it. It is a command to be lively and energetic. Mm. Arise, to, sh to arise, to rise and shine. So what does arise mean? It means coming to attention, to get up, to get out of bed from a lying or sitting position, to begin to be noticed, 
ascending, increasing, and increasing in power or influence begin to be noticed. When you arise, you're noticed. Think about that. When you arise, you are noticed. And there are times that we don't want to be noticed. We have our own issues with being noticed. Some people do it very well. They, they are the peacock of everything. But there are some of us who we have this thing about being noticed because it draws attention to us. If we think our, our, as women, if we think our hair is not right or something just doesn't fit right or we don't have on the right outfit or the right color, we don't always want to be noticed. But the Bible tells us to arise, to come to attention, to get up, to ascend. Now, shining entails giving light, glowing, beaming, to radiate, emit, release, discharge. But you notice that these two words are action words that involve movement, doing something. While when we use non-action words, it describes a state of being. Being, once again, is the entry level into our journey as being a carrier of his glory. Being relates to Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is the inner workings of the Holy Ghost. This is the inward reality of his glory. But there is also an outward manifestation of his glory. Let's go back again to Isaiah 61, the ending sentence. It says, and the glory of the Lord is risen or rises upon you. Acts 1 and 8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, witnesses having a personal knowledge or experiencing Jesus. It's not just reading the word, it's not just quoting scriptures, but it's being intimate and knowing him, knowing him in the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable to his death. It's knowing him at that level, being his witness. So why is it imperative that the hope of glory is not just only in us, but upon us? Because we are called to be his chain agent. Real and lasting change is the inner workings of the Holy Spirit. So let's look at this word change. To change means to alter, to transform, to make radically different, to give a different position, course, or direction, to make a difference in some particular way, to make a shift from one thing to another. But we can't just deal with being a change agent without 
really defining and talking about change. I was fortunate enough at, at my job to be chosen to be part of this leadership academy. I'm going to be honest with you, based on the work that I do, I, I, I didn't think I had time. Because when I was chosen, I, I was told that I would have to go to this academy for a good maybe nine weeks. And I work for, for the Department of Children and Families. And so you have to understand that, that it's difficult to leave your office for a long period of time. And so I didn't find that to be a compliment. Because other people had volunteered. They had said that they wanted to do this. And I walked into the room, and I was the last person to get there because I got lost. And when I walked in, the person who was over this group said, oh, well, the person that walked in, she didn't volunteer. She was chosen. And so I was like, Lord, what am I going to learn about this leadership stuff? I'm really not there. I would prefer to be at my office. But I learned something. And it really blessed me. The more I came to this academy, the more I came to the groups to learn about change and to learn about what it means to adopt and to adapt to change, it blessed me. And so I want to talk about two types of change, technical and adaptive. Technical change requires that you do things differently. It's like a tweaking. You can make some adjustments. But adaptive change requires you to think differently about what you're doing, and it requires a change in values and beliefs as well as behaviors. It is transformative. It's not just a tweaking. It means that something major, an overhaul, something major happens. It's not just about you changing the furniture in your house. Because sometimes when we change furniture in the house, we think that that's something that is transformative because now it looks pretty indifferent. But actually, it's when you go out and buy all new furniture, you change the color scheme, you paint the walls differently, your house looks totally different from what it did before. And so God is calling us to at least two types of Changes. There are things in your lives that you know you're like, okay, I, it needs a little tweaking. I, you know, it, it needs a little modification. Just, just a little bit, you know. I just have to move a little bit over here, and it might look a little different. Or I can just tweak it a little bit. I don't, I don't have to do much to it. But then there's adaptive change, and, and that's normally the hardest type of change. Because that means that you have to change your routine. <laughs> that, that means that you have to sacrifice something because now you have to give your time to figure out what is this going to look like? And how am I going to get this accomplished? So God's calling us to think about change as were his his carriers of his glory. What does change look like for you? 
Is change difficult? Change was difficult for me when they told me I had to go to this nine-week academy. I was like, no, I really don't want to go. It was difficult because I had to give up something that I thought that I wasn't gaining anything from it. But when I decided to do what was required of me, I learned that the change benefited me. So what is a change agent? It's someone who promotes and enables change to happen within a group or organization. In business, a change agent is an individual who promotes and supports a new way of doing something within the company, whether it is the use of a new process or the adoption of a new management structure or the transformation of an old business model to a new one. Making a decision to be a change agent may bring opposition and alienation. How does being a change agent bring opposition and alienation? It's because when you choose to push against the grain and do something different and challenge someone, to now look at how they do things when they're telling you, why should we fix it? It's not broken. It's been working for me all these years. Why should I now change something? Why should I go there? So now you're pushing up against something, and sometimes you're the only one. So everybody else is saying, everything is OK. Everything is OK. And yet, you're saying, wait a minute, I want you to look at this, this way. So I want you to turn to your neighbor again and say, rise and shine, sleepyhead. No, say, say it again, because I want you to wake them up. In order to rise and shine from the place that you are in, there are some things that you need to do. First, you need to change your perspective. There needs to be a change in your perspective, a willingness to get up. If you're feeling down, if you're hurting in some sense, it is difficult to get up. It is so much easier to stay in the place where you are, to stay lying down. I've been diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. And in the morning, sometimes it becomes difficult for me to rise. My bones are stiff. They hurt me. But you know what I get up? I get up because I know that once I get up and get moving, <laughs> my body feels better. And for some reason, we think that when we're in pain, that we should then not get up. Even when, when you're depressed, if you stay in your bed, you pull the covers over your head, you think it's going to make you feel better. But when you get up, Wash your face, take a shower, brush your teeth. 
There is a shift in your perspective from where you were to where you are now. And so I have learned, so I have gone to work sometimes walking like this. And my manager would say, Cassandra, why are you in here? I said, because I'm not staying in bed. I'm getting up. I needed a new perspective today. I knew if I stayed in the bed, it wasn't going to help me. I knew if I stayed in the bed today that these bones, they were going to continue to be stiff. So I needed to get them moving. I needed to shake myself. And I, and I would put on the most brightest color. I would come in an orange jacket. Mm-hmm. Something red. And they would look at me and say, I, I sort of, you, you're sort of not walking right. But you know what, you look, you, you look good. And I would go, hallelujah, <laughs> I'm walking by faith. <laughs> bright colors and all. Leg hurting, <laughs> but bright colors and all. So, so it, is, it is important that you rise, that you get up, because you have a change in how you see things. But there is an aid to this. When you have a change in perspective, there is an attitude adjustment. See, because this allows us to experience the but. <laughs> the but. Oh, I was feeling down, but when I got up, I was feeling better. Oh, I thought I couldn't make it, but when I saw you and you gave me an encouraging word, I knew I could make it. Arise and shine for the light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. I thought I was gonna die, but when I heard the good report, ah, it was my butt. It was on the contrary, that even though I thought it was not going to work out when the butt came, but I am more than a conqueror in him who loves me. The butt is there all the time when you rise up. When you get up, there's always a butt to what was there before. What it does is that it causes that thing not to be so. When you know that God has called you to something and the situation looks negative, but somebody comes and says, but let me tell you what God has done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, the but. <laughs> the but is important. If you don't have the but when you have something that's negative, you know that you can't make it. But when you hear, even though I was down, even though I was lost, but Christ came, <laughs> and because Christ came, I can live. The but. Ah, a new way of thinking. Uh, it keeps you rising when you are faced again and again with obstacles. 
Romans 12 and 2 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, and do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. A new way of thinking, the B. The new way of thinking, the A, a, attitude adjustment, and B, a new way of thinking. But in order for us to have a new way of thinking, we have to deal with our, with our attitude. Our attitude stops us from getting to the new way of thinking. And then we have a change in position. We go from a place of descending to ascending. His manifested presence rests upon you, which gives you the strength to move from a lower state to an upright state. How are you progressing? Are you stuck in one place, one mindset? Can you see growth? Not only in how you go up, but even how you go out. <laughs> As pastor said, how are you being stretched? Or can you be stretched? How deep are your roots? Can you endure the storms of life or do you give up easily? So there just isn't levels that God wants to take us, but he wants to give us dimensions. He wants to take us into dimensions, not just going up, but sometimes even going over. And going over sometimes is, is difficult. Going up is one thing. You can get on an elevator and go up, but some of you don't like going on a plane. Because a plane is likened to dimensions. An elevator, you get in, you press, you say, well, you know what, I have control over this because guess what? If I don't want to go to five, I don't have to. I'll just press two, and that'll be enough for me. I press 10. That's enough for me. But when you get in the airplane, that's dimensional. And you go, wait a minute, I don't have control over this. This is like, this is a little scary, Lord. Getting in a plane and now being all the way up there. And some of you, God is challenging you to now stop thinking that you need to have control, to trust him to take you over into some places that he's been speaking to you about. And you keep saying, no, Lord, I'm, I'm not called to that. I can't do that. I don't have it in me, Father. If I do it, I might fail. If I do it, God, somebody might say, I don't see you there. Why do you think that you belong there? And you go, I really don't think I belong there, but the Lord told me that that's where I need to be. Ah. That's where I need to be. And sometimes it's not the place where you think that you should be. When I first got saved, my teaching was to my children. I taught them the Bible. I taught them all the books of the Bibles. I taught them scriptures, and I was happy. Don't bother me. I'm good. And when somebody came to me and said, I want you to come to a women's conference and I want you to teach. 
on such and such. I was like, not me. I teach my children. I don't teach beyond that, okay? I don't mind doing that, but I'm not going to do this. I was frightened. I'm just being real. I'm, I am talking to someone tonight. I was frightened. I was like, Lord, you caught me to teach my children. And I enjoy that. And he said, yes, but because you've been faithful to that, I need to enlarge you. I need to take you out of this place, this place, this position that you've been stuck in <laughs> for a long time. It's been a good place, but now it's, it's time to move you to take you from the place where you've been and now take you over into another place. And so some of you are called to some things that you've said, no, Lord, I can't do it. And Father says, yes, you can, because you've been okay with going up, but you haven't been okay with going over. Ephesians 2, 4, and 6 says, But God, who was rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Do you know that you've been born from above? That you now have his DNA? that he's given you a blood transfusion, and without the shedding of the blood, you would not have the opportunity to rise on any good day. But the third thing is that there's a change in your personhood. You should be evolving in Christ. If you're at the same place that you were last year, if you look back over your life, if you have not started to change in some type of way, if you have not been made better in him, then you need to look at what's happening in your life because when you're a change agent, something happens to your personhood. He shakes up things. And he causes you to look more like him. 2 Peter 3.18 says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. God has shaped us and given us a deposit of divine life. I'm going to say that again. God has shaped us and given us a deposit of divine life. So... Are you ready to come to attention? Are you ready to be put on display? Turn to your neighbor and say with a smile, shine, shine, shine. <laughs> put, put on your high beams because we are his reflection in the earth realm. We move from private to public. Once again, we don't all like being on display, but in order for us to be his reflection, we have to be put on display. We have to take the risks because he won't be seen if we stay in a corner. If we hide, 
Say to your neighbor again, shine, shine, shine. So as we're coming into this place of shining, mm, I want to say that God needs your face. And I don't understand how they do this, but you know that when, when you have your face and they want to basically change the face, that they do all these things, put on all this makeup, they just do these things. And I even think that there's some type of surgery now that if something happens to somebody's face, that they can take the face of somebody else and they can take some of, of their face and put it on that person's face. And so, thank you, Pastor, face transplant. So, Father wants to take your face and put his face on your face. That's what he wants to do because, and this is why he wants to do this, because sometimes within our face, there is so much pain. Your face tells everything, everything, every emotion. If you're happy, you're like, <laughs> if you've got an attitude, if you don't want people to really know what's going on, you're like, I do that one often. <laughs> but your face tells everything. And so Father wants your face tonight. He wants your face. <laughs> and you might be saying, when I look in the mirror, I don't like the way I look. I don't like my face. Well, the good news is that really, you don't have to like your face. You just have to like his. You just have to like who he is. And when you like who he is, and, and you say, Lord, yes, you can put your face on my face, and guess what? You don't have to worry about the imperfections and, and basically the things that you don't like about your face, because now it's his face. He needs your face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come out of hiding, because he needs your face. The Bible talks about Moses and the fact that he put a veil over his face, and that was because the glory was fading. But the glory that Father has given us is ever-increasing. It doesn't fade unless you choose to hide your face. It says that nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. And we with unveiled faces, open faces, beholding in the mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. We don't have to hide our faces. The slaves used to hide their faces before the presence of a great king. But we're his sons and his daughters. We don't have to hide our face from him. That shows that our heart is open to him, that, that we want to be intimate with him. When, when we come to him and we say, Lord, I'm, I'm just open before you. I'm coming as I am because I know that you love me as I am. And, and, and whatever you need to do in me, God, I'm open. I'm giving it to you. That's how you walk in freedom. 
When you say, Father, I'm just not going to hear what you say. I'm going to do what you say. I'm going to be obedient to what you were saying. Romans 12, 1 and 2 again says, I beseech you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. God doesn't want your dead stuff. He wants us to be active participants in giving him glory through our lives. In the Pauline um, theology, our reasonable or worship service is characterized by our conscious, intelligent, rational service to God. It is not a mindless flickering of the heart, rather the presentation of an, an entire life to God. So the second thing as we end, he just doesn't want your face, but he wants all of you. He wants your heart. He wants your hands. He wants your legs. He wants your feet. He wants your eyes. He wants every part of you so that you might represent who he is. As we close, the Lord gave me this word, and I want to speak it to someone tonight. And you may not even be here. You may not be in this place, but this word may be for you. There is a rekindled fire that will come upon some of you. A fire that will launch you into places of change, a place of new ideas, new vigor regarding plans you have before the Lord. The old way of thinking and the old way of doing things can no longer fit into where I am taking you. You have been feeling out of sorts, and it feels like you cannot get a footing. It's because I'm stretching you. Pastor, I got that on Saturday. And have given you the capacity for more and to step into the new. Fear not, says the Father of glory, for I am with you, and I will lead you in the path that will yield much fruit. Much fruit. And Sister Watts, I really believe that that word is for you. Much fruit. Much fruit. Much fruit. Much fruit. Much fruit, Sister Watts. Much fruit. Much fruit. Footing has been like, I'm not sure where I'm moving and where I'm stepping, but I'm telling you, <laughs> capacity for more. You're being stretched, you're being enlarged for the more, sweetie. You're being ah, stretched and enlarged for the more. Much fruit in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's celebrate. What a word.